Welcome back. I'm Zinati Kuma and you're watching Stock Watch this week. Joining us for a review of the week's stock performances and answers to your stock-related questions is Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investments. Do send your questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thank you so much for your time, Wayne. I'm glad that you're actually here because there were quite a few emails that came in as a follow-up um, for uh, our conversation that, that we had on Wednesday with David. So I'm going to start off with a very <laughs> cheeky one. Um, <laughs> hey, David and Wayne, I think you guys are having us on. After 40 years on the JC, I sold all my shares today. Uh, that was on Wednesday. I think the stock exchange is kaput and going to crash. Wayne, what do you say about that? Do you foresee a, a crash coming or do you think that this is just an exaggeration? Well, look, no one foresees a crash coming. No one, no one sees this. If we all saw it, wouldn't that just be too wonderful for words? Yeah. <laughs> I think the major danger for the stock market is behind us because the true danger on the stock market is in the period of sharply rising inflation and sharply rising interest rates. Now, interest rates may still go up a little bit more who knows, but we're probably at the peak. The stock market doesn't perform until the interest rates start to be cut. So we may still have some weakness, but understand this is driven from overseas. It's not South Africa. If we do have a crash, it's not because of South Africa and the South African stock market. Must be very clear, you know, unless civil war breaks out here, which mm. I doubt, the direction of our market will be dictated to by what happens overseas, specifically in America. Ah. Then the second point, which I think is a very, very important point. A lot of people think the South African stock market relates to South Africa. It doesn't. You know, only about 20% of our stock market is directly related to South Africa. The other shares in our stock market, there's two main categories. One are all the international shares, Naspers, Process, Richmond, They've got nothing to do with South Africa. And then the mining shares, even if they have got mines in South Africa, what happens to the share price is dependent on the rand and the dollar price of all the, of whatever they sell, platinum, gold, coal. It's got, it's very much an international stock market. It's not a South African stock market. Mm. I, I definitely get your point there, Wayne, and thank you very much for filling us in on kind of the composition of the JSE and also how it relates to the South African economy. Um, there is also another follow-up question for you, Wayne. Uh, you chose Zida as your stock pick on Wednesday, and the question is, isn't Wayne worried about their debt level? Uh, from September 2022 to half year 2023, they didn't really pay much of their 1.7 billion debt, um, short-term debt. Uh, again, I learned to trust Wayne's judgments with a laugh there. Uh, is debt not a worry at this point, Wayne? Yeah, don't, don't trust my judgment too much. <laughs> I've made many mistakes in my life. Okay, Zida, they have geared up a little bit, but I actually had feedback from management this week, um, in fact, yesterday, saying that they're not going to overspend on motor cars. Because what normally happens is when they get very high utilization rates, like they are now, 75%, what normally happens is they buy cars like crazy, and then the market turns down and they've got too many cars and too much debt. So they said they're not going to do that. And, you know, once you've bought the car, it's all positive cash flow. So I'm not too worried about their debt. Ah, uh, all right. <clears throat> um. 
Yeah, and also, I mean, just uh, on a, a, a periodic basis, would you be taking Zeta for uh, short to medium term or long term? I'll take it for medium term. I mean, it is quite a cyclical stock, yeah. but the wind is in it sailed now because as we spoke on Wednesday night, yes. the tourist visiting South Africa is huge and the South Africans traveling within South Africa is also big. Mm, all right. Um, there's a question here, Wayne, on uh, Tiger Brands. Um, your view on Tiger Brands, should one buy at these levels or wait a bit longer yeah what are you making of tiger brands positioning yeah. in that food producing space yeah and if it's a buy the more the longer i'm in markets the more i dislike the actual food producers yeah they've got very little control of what their output is they got to compete with overseas it's just a commodity and it's very very tough especially in the current environment so you know it'd have to be a really special case for me to go and buy tigers or to go buy rainbow chickens or to go buy quantum or to go buy a fishing company all of these primary food producers the industry is just too difficult i, I i'm steering away from them even avi because i know that uh, avi is basically seen as one of the best especially when it comes to management and yeah. diversification well a avi is not a primary food producer okay. forget the i and j part yeah i don't know why they keep i and j they should just unbundle it it actually detracts value from their share. Yeah. So the rest of the business, we know the fashion side, obviously that's not food. Yeah. And then they got snacks and biscuits. You know, those aren't primary producers and people still buy them, you know, almost throughout the, through the, through the good times and the bad times. So I like AVI, but AVI and Rainbow Chickens and Tiger Brands are very different companies. Yeah. I mean, I was actually really surprised by the, the kind of divergence between snacks and primary foods. I was um, at a Mondelez um, state of uh, the uh, snacking report. And, you know, mm. I would expect that in this kind of environment, people would go more for necessities, but they were actually saying that their snacks are actually performing well and their numbers are doing good. Yeah even in this kind of environment. Yeah. Good times and bad times, we yeah. all still want to snack. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I wish I had coffee and biscuits right now, Wayne. Uh, definitely yeah, something to I'm do after the show. <laughs> all right, there's a question here on Santova. Santova seems to be an object in free fall. Will the upcoming results yield uh, a positive sentiment or the opposite uh, of that? I think the last time I, I checked out Santova, it was doing pretty well. And I'm just wondering now if this is just like a, a kind of a technical thing where it was maybe overbought. What's happening with that? To be honest, I don't know enough about the share yeah. to comment on. I, I haven't looked at it for such a long time. So yeah. I'm really sorry I can't comment on uh, that. All right. Well, some homework for you, Wayne, <laughs> for next time. Yes. <laughs> all right. Let's go on to Aspen. Uh, at 170 Rand, is Aspen uh, expensive? Uh, is it an investment for the long term? Look, Aspen, unfortunately, it's not my favorite company. You know, throughout the decades, and this is going back a long time now, they seem to promise a lot more than what they can deliver. So whenever you look at their financial statements or their SENS releases, they always say, look, it was a little bit tough now, but the next six months are going to be good. And they issue a lot of communications of all of these fantastic projects that are coming around but maybe i'm just biased on against aspen uh i wouldn't buy it 
is that bias coming from uh, historical developments? Yeah, you know, look, I mean, they they had this wonderful thing called the baby food in China, and their whole future was going to be the baby food business in China, and they were going to make a fortune on that business. The next thing it sold was their debts too high. Uh, all right. You know, so I, I, I don't like Aspen, unfortunately. Uh, all right. I hear you on that. But I guess it's, it's quite a polarizing stock. I mean, they have uh, done a yes. lot of things in the past that have gotten them to kind of shaky ground. They had that big debt problem, but they sorted that out. Correct. So we will see how this one pans out with all these contracts that they have um, with these uh, international companies. Uh, let's go into Capitec. Uh, a stock that yeah. has been, uh, for the longest time, uh, been seen as expensive. Uh, is Capitec a buy at current levels uh, to keep over the short to medium term? Could there be a turning of the tide yeah. in terms of Capitec where now it is seen as a buy? Look, when you look at all of the banks, they are essentially in South Africa ex-growth. A lot of the companies have got, a couple of the banks have gone overseas to try and find growth. But the South African operations, I'm talking the big banks now, are good operations, but a little bit dull and boring and very difficult to generate uh, exceptional growth in, in earnings. And this applies on all the banks. And Capitec now is no longer a niche player. I know they're going into the business. I know they're trying to get higher net, you know, higher net worth people onto their books but they now start they now by necessity having to encroach on the big banks positions with the you know with business with medium middle income people etc it's a highly competitive market so the point on capitec is the earnings are not going to grow as strongly into the future as what they have in the past. The people must not think that this is a niche bank that's going to grow their earnings at 20% while the other banks grow their earnings at 6%. I think those days are behind Capitec. This week, for the first time, we do an internal company evaluation. Capitec actually showed reasonable value. So the other banks are way cheaper. Standard Bank's way cheaper. Apps way cheaper. But Capitec does now... Uh, for the first time in a very long time, according to our numbers, actually show reasonable value. And I'm just wondering, because the one thing that uh, investors were worried about before Capitec actually came out with, re with its results is how those credit impairments would look like, because obviously of the consumer that they are exposed to. Do you feel like those yes. fears have kind of uh, soothed? Well, look, you know, in, in banking, there's no such saying as... as you know, excess bad debts. What the actual problem is, is you didn't charge the correct interest rate for the expected bad debts that you incurred. So as long as Capitec's charging the appropriate interest rate, their bad debts can be high. In other words, as long as they've allowed for it. Yeah. If, if you've got a good credit book, you can charge people 13% interest. If you've got a bad credit book, you can charge people 16% interest. Then if the one lot's bad debt if the first lot's bad debt is 1% and your lot's bad debt is 4%, you're actually making money because you're charging an extra 5% interest. You know, so it all depends on whether they have appropriately priced their debt. It's not the actual level of bad debts that's important. And Capitec's very good at this. Mm. Very interesting point that you bring up there, uh, Wayne. Um, there's a question on REITs. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how closely you watch these ones, but I guess you can give a general um, 
kind of uh, opinion uh, sure. and insight on REITs. Um, will, uh, I think these, these are American uh, REITs, uh, will uh, Prologis Inc., American Tower Corp. and Alexandria Real Estate Equities see 2021 highs? Because these companies have been growing their total... Okay, you don't... <laughs> Let me just... I I'll, can't answer on American REITs now. Uh, That's okay. But I'll just I'll just finish the 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 the, the statement and then go on to the the, the question. Uh, so uh, the viewer says these companies have been growing their total assets with due diligence according to the real estate investment trust requirements. These companies have been maximizing their net operating income, which reflects on their funds from operations. Perhaps the market is correcting or contrary to my first statement, but anything can uh, can happen when it comes to price movement. Hence, price quotation shouldn't be measured as value. So the question is, considering inflation, will REITs outperform stocks again like they did in 2021? That's a, it's a good question. Obviously, I can't answer the, yes. the USA REITs. I really don't know that market yeah. at all. But higher interest rates does two things for any REIT. Number one, the cost of debt goes up. And secondly, the valuation of the underlying companies goes down. Now, I know a lot of South African REITs, if not all of them, have got, I don't know, 80 or 90% of their debt, the interest rate is fixed via hedges. So, in other words, the higher interest rates don't really affect the income statement per se, but they affect the valuation of the properties. In other words, the net asset value of the actual underlying properties. So, a higher interest rate environment is not good for REITs. However... When interest rates start to fall, let's say next year, REITs and government bonds tend to outperform the market. So, yes, the answer, I don't know if it's next year, Mm. but there's a good chance over the next two years that the REITs and the government bonds will outperform the general share market. Although, obviously, there might be sectors within the share market that do extremely well. Share market only really in a, in a falling interest rate environment, bonds and properties perform first, then the share market normally comes after that. So would you say now then that this is a good time to kind of pile up um, on your REITs portfolio? Yes, you are. Obviously, in the property market, South Africa now, you are just swimming in bad news. All you ever hear is bad news. Rates going up, electricity going up. Yeah. The rentals that you're charging the clients going down, uh, excess vacant space in office buildings. So when you ever you're surrounded by bad news, that's normally when you must start looking at buying the shares because that's normally when the shares are cheap. Now, a lot of South African REITs, they are trading at a 50, 40 to 50 percent discount to net asset value. And that is that is a very, very wide margin. So in other words, it might not be as exciting as buying certain sectors in the stock market over the next three to five years. But if you want a relatively, relatively safe investment and you want to take your income, you're not, it's not a bad investment decision simply because that discount to net asset value is just, I mean, it's of the widest it's ever been. Hmm. Well, talking about REITs, um, uh, obviously the big news there is Fortress coming out with an announcement um, proposing uh, to, if I've got this right, uh, swap the B shareholders to swap their uh, uh, Fortress shares 
uh, to get Nepi Rock Castle shares so that they can be one class of shares, and that is A shares. What did you make of that proposal, and do you think that they'll Look, actually get it over the line? I, th I think it's a very good idea to somehow have one share. I've been in this market for decades, never understood the Fortress A and the Fortress B. Never, ever. So I think it's a very good move to actually go down to one class of shareholder. Whether they'll be successful or not, I suppose, depends on their shareholders voting and any regulatory approval that they may need. But, I mean, a swap for, uh, you know, Fortress shares for Nepi Rock Castle doesn't seem like a bad idea, right? Yeah. No, as I said, I think it seems like quite a good idea, yeah. yes. Ah, okay, all right. Well, another uh, piece of news that came out was the uh, sale of AMG by Life Healthcare, finally. And finally, yes. the company removing that uh, cautionary that had been <laughs> there for about, hanging for about a year. Um, what did you make of that? And also, someone actually asked a very interesting question yesterday that, because of this removal of AMG, Life Healthcare is now uh, kind of almost similar to Netcare. So, what what, what do you make yes. of Net, of Netcare of uh, Life Healthcare well, right now? I actually quite like that UK business. It was quite an interesting business. I went to many company presentations where they spoke about it. What it does is it's got very specialized equipment, and it essentially rents this this equipment out on a mobile basis to various hospitals who don't want to actually spend all that money buying it, buying that huge piece of equipment that they may only use 20% of the time. So I actually like the, the principle behind that business. Mm. And certainly when you look at the money they're getting in and the special dividends they're going to pay out to the shareholders – after they've made some expenses and kept a bit of the money for themselves. I think that's very positive. And now it becomes essentially a South African company very similar to Netcare. And we all know Mediclinic's gone off the, mm. off the stock market. But Mediclinic also had many operations overseas, so you can't really compare them all. Yeah. So, yeah, they're now a South African healthcare company. Ah, but would would this be a, a healthcare company that you would go into now that it's basically kind of a little bit of a different business? Yeah, look, I'm also a little bit, I sound so negative today, I'm also a little bit worried <laughs> about healthcare. Mm. I know that the NHS is a political story at the moment and yeah. passing the NHS bill, it's all politics to do with next year's election. Mm. I probably will never see NHS in my lifetime because it's going to take forever to be implemented if it is ever implemented. Mm. But there's this sword hanging over the healthcare companies, what's going to happen with NHS? Mm. That's the first point. The second point is, for better or for worse, the government doesn't want the private healthcare companies to make a lot of money. They want to get the cost of healthcare down to the population. So you've seen what they've done in pharmaceuticals with single exit pricing. There's always regulatory issues when it comes to healthcare and the government, not South Africa, believe me, this mm. is absolutely worldwide. Yeah. You look at all the energy, all all the companies worldwide, governments put them under legislatory pressure where essentially they don't like them making super profits. I'm very cautious about the healthcare companies. I Mm. I think the environment is just too tough. Ah. Well, something that you're not cautious on uh, today, your stock pick quickly, Wayne. Look, I'm, I know the share prices are getting hammered at the moment, but I'm still going to come back to the platinum shares. The platinum shares on a three to five year view are showing extremely good value. 
they are essentially in a very normal commodity cycle. We just happen to be in the down part of the cycle now. Mm. Cycles can change. Interest rates will fall. Global demand will pick up. And they are as bombed out as what I've ever seen them at the bottom of any cycle. Yeah. And hopefully there is a very strong recovery. So I'll go for Impala. I mean, Impala may in fact show a loss given the current palladium and platinum price. They rescued a bit by the weaker end. But I'll go for Impala. Don't put all of your money into it. Mm. But there's a huge upside potential on a three to four year view. Ah, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time and your analysis yeah. today, Wayne. Really appreciate it. That was Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investments.